Hi, friends. Before I jump into this week's episode, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of you who have already reached out for my newest book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. I'm so excited. Connect Ed, two Ds, dot org, the publishing company where you can find that newest book. It's uh, hopefully a heartfelt share that I give with you about how to understand who you are and how it plays heavily in your ability to weather storms maintain perspective, work with purpose, and affect meaningful change in the lives that you're serving. So I hope that you'll check it out at connected.org, connected with two Ds. And please, if you have an opportunity to leave a review on Amazon, that makes it more visible for others. Thanks, and looking forward to jumping into this week's part two with my co-host, Jen Schwanke. Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 211. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm back with Jen Schwanke principal of Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two books, You're the Principal, Now What?, and The Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership. Jen, it's so great to see you again. Thanks for connecting as we talk this week again about reopening and lessons that school leaders can learn through reopening. I'm just curious um, why you're wearing a hat, because people that can't see us... uh, (laughs) They, they may want to know that actually both of us are wearing hats this morning. <laughs> well, we should tell them the whole story that when we decided to do this at this time of day, we're recording quite early on a holiday. Um, you know, I said, I'm so sorry. It's early and I'm going to be in a hat. I'll just keep coming back from a run. And you said, don't worry, I'll be in a hat too. I'm just coming back from <laughs> lifting. And I believe your, your gym is now in your garage, you were telling me, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, over the COVID days. I don't even know what to call this anymore. Over the last several months, we've been, um, you know, enjoying walking and jogging and all the things that we normally do. But my wife has been wanting to have some weights here. And so um, she purchased a a bench and some weights and and my son and daughter uh, actually got out there and put it all together. And, uh, and so now that we are back in, well, quote unquote, back in school, because they've started off in the distance remote setting. Um, they've been getting up in the mornings and opening up the garage door. So we've, it's become a family thing now for us to go out and do some <laughs> lifting. And this morning they didn't cause it was a holiday, but yeah. So I was happy to put my hat on yes. and jump on here too. So we're, we're podcasting this, but there's a video that we can see. Who knows, Jen, maybe someday we'll upload this as a YouTube. If anybody wants to see us at it our, be- <laughs> like at our, in the most authentic way possible. Well, yeah, they'll think it's a blooper reel, which will be fine with me. I don't care. (laughs) I love my hat. My hat is from Sedona. I went to Sedona for the first time in my life last summer and it was fantastic. So it's nice. It's nice when your hat has meaning to it. Yeah, mine too. This one is the one I got in Moab, Utah when we were out there this uh, summer for vacation and climbing and doing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, my hats have meaning. So this episode, we wanted to talk about lessons gleaned from this whole mm-hmm. mess we're in. And there's a lesson is get away, spend some time outside of your normal habitat and bring home a souvenir to wear on your head. There's there a good you go. lesson. There's, yeah. there's the first lesson. Well, last time we talked, we really unpacked 
some of the things. And so if you missed episode 210 listeners, go back and listen to Jen talk about the things that how school looks for her right now, for her students, for her parents, for her communities, for her teachers. But, but Jen, I wanted to circle back this week and dig a little bit deeper. Now that you're into this practice, you guys have been uh, walking into the quote unquote new norm. And I, I wanted to unpack a couple of things that might help listeners in their journey. And, and, and so let's just go deep quickly here. I wanted to start off by asking you what lessons you feel like you've been learning in this new leadership role and, and how they may help other leaders um, who are walking through this too. I'm going to tell you some of my friend, principal friends that I've spoken to um, around the country feel very burdened and overwhelmed by the um, pressure that is on them to get this right. And so I'm going to say for the 500th time on this podcast, I think we cannot get this wrong because it's never been done before. There isn't a handbook. There isn't a textbook. There wasn't a graduate class that we missed. We are all just making the right decision at that might, at that right moment. You know, we're doing the next right thing as they say. And I say that as a comfort, not as a, an excuse. I think we should reassure ourselves and our, and one another when we're talking with colleagues that this cannot, you know, this is all new. And when things are new, it feels unstable, right? It feels like, like, again, we missed something. Somebody didn't tell us the direction. Somebody didn't, I, I didn't log in at the right time to the right meeting to hear how I'm supposed to do this. Well, you didn't miss anything. This is all brand new. And the, a very close cousin to that lesson is, boy, this has really revealed how much we depend on schools, doesn't it? We always knew that, but we didn't understand how emotionally parents needed schools as a way to help them feel better about their parenting or their child's growth and development. They always had a, you know, a whole set of experts that their child was spending the day with. And now they are feeling pressure too, because so much of it is back on parents or caregivers or support people. And, you know, I think to be dependent on in that kind of way feels really yucky if you don't feel confident about that role. And I think we do feel confident about it, but, but with the introduction of COVID, we think, well, well, wait a minute, my confidence is waning a little bit. And that's going back to, again, that is why I'm feeling unstable and uncertain because I don't know if I'm doing this right. So I think there's a lot of self-doubt, both in people's kitchens and in the office and in the classroom, we're all doubting ourselves. And there has to be a little bit of, of relief to that constant worry and the relief I think finds in it can be found in saying listen we've not done it before we can't mess it up yeah you know I was looking at thank you Jen I, I was looking at some research that the National Association of Secondary Principals um, and I think the National Association of Elementary School Principals had put out as a companion I, I can go back and find a link to include in the show notes but it was a national survey of, of principals showing the the increased number who are either overwhelmed or considering leaving the mm -hmm. occupation, and of course that was um, that was that was, re that was data that they've surveys that they conducted prior to reopening, and I'd be really curious what those numbers look now that we have begun reopening because I'm just going to talk anecdotally as I've visited with leaders. And I saw this, like, they, I felt like they were in this pressure cooker before mm -hmm. it all happened. And then just, as it got closer and closer, the stress just got just harder and harder and harder and harder. But then I noticed something 
when they began to re-engage with teachers again and began, and then when those of them reopened again, there was like almost like this lifting of, oh my gosh, we can do this. Oh my gosh, I have other people on my team besides myself who can help me. Oh my gosh, I forgot how good it feels to connect with kids, whether that's virtually or whether that's in person. And I would really be curious what that survey looks like now as people are re-engaging with, with the with the reasons that school is a place that we love anyway, which are relationships. And so I, I, I just think that's such an important part, Jen, and I'm curious if that's been your experience. I, if I had a dime for everyone who said, oh, it's so good to see kids. We, we were doing small group assessments, just bringing in one or two students at a time at our school these past few weeks. And that's what I heard. Oh, it's so good to see kids. And even parents, oh, it was so good to meet in person or it was so good to talk to them. I think for a, a while there, we lost our purpose. And, you know, not one of us said, I'm going to be an educator because I want to be on Zooms all day. Nobody ever said that, right? <laughs> so we we lost our purpose and there was no other choice. That wasn't the, a, a decision anybody made. It just happened to us. But now I think what this is doing is it's forcing us to grapple with our purpose. I have a principal friend who had two teachers resign the first week back because they were still in remote. And the teacher said, I'm not doing this. Now to me, that's again, a reckoning with purpose. Those two teachers said, this is not my purpose and I'm not doing it. Now left the principal in quite a lurch, but she recovered. And if anything, it solidified the purpose of the other colleagues in the building who said, well, I am, I'm sticking this out because my purpose purpose is to see this through for the students. So you're, you're right. Yeah. Seeing, getting back to it really does recalibrate the whole reason we're here. Yeah. And it's, it's so peculiar because you have some educators resigning because they're being asked to come back with mask and mandates. And then you've got some who are resigning because they're being asked to stay remote. And I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to level any judge any judgment because I'm not that person and every person's situation is so unique to them. But but I do want to say, repeat what you just said, Jen, which is at the end of the day, the question is necessarily what what do I prefer? The question is, how can I reconnect with why I got into this in the first place? How can I make sure that I'm still providing the service and the care and the education um, that that kids need? And you said this in the last episode that, you know, that's that at the end of the day, the principal doesn't get to have an opinion, he or she simply gets to say, I'm here for the safety and the education of kids. How do I do that? Whether that's remote, whether that's distance, whether that's in person, my job is to make sure that kids are safe and that they're learning. Um, go ahead, because I know you have thoughts. Yes. I also, I've been grappling with this idea, and this credit to this goes to my husband. He said, we are living in a culture of outrage. Everybody seems to have this knee-jerk reaction to be angry. And what that, how that manifests itself for principals is anger and, and pontification, really, speeches and, and tweets and Facebook posts of anger come before rationality and empathy come. So it's, it's a you know, spewing of opinion that is really rooted in, in outrage. And the way I am trying to handle this is, okay, maybe my purpose as a principal is to make it my mission to kind of poke holes in that outrage, bring people back to rationality and compassion and calm and common sense. Maybe that's why I'm here right now. My role is to say, you know, no, 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 no need to be angry. No, we're not going to do that. And again, not in a condescending way, but just bring people back to that place of rationality, empathy, compassion for students and their experience. And civility. I mean, yes. yes. And just learning how to still 
communicate with each other and with parents and with kids and, and just society in general in a way where we can treat each other with civility. And, and I know you and I both pay a lot of attention to what's going on um, in politics and nationally and what's going on um, with the issues surrounding race um, and how that's affected our school communities. And so all of those are such important dynamics to keep in mind as we're stepping in as leaders. And you and I have talked about this before to make sure that we show value to people's, we value the people that we're talking to and we try to find some way to connect with them um, and point them back towards solutions and not just the problem or the outrage. I love that quote that your, that your husband said, because you're right, we do live in an age of outrage, but at the end of the day, it's not productive. It's just not, not, it's not. And I love one of my favorite phrases is just because I disagree with you doesn't make me wrong. And then you Mm -hmm. can flip that and say, just because you disagree with me doesn't make you wrong. We Mm -hmm. need to keep remembering that. And, and I'm glad you brought up the race relations issue because with the start of school and with all of the guidelines and procedures and protocols and the changing and the numbers and the rates and all of that, it's very easy. It's going to be very easy for school administration and teachers and students and parents to forget. We made a promise to do good work in terms of equity and race in this country. And we can't forget that promise because we're worried about if we have enough face masks, not okay. Yeah, I just had some conversations last week with administrators who are just now bringing back their staff and they're trying to talk through, you know, how do we manage all these new protocols, but then also how are we going to create safe places for these kinds of conversations? And frankly, some of them are having some pushback from staff who are like, we just don't have time for this. And, and, and those leaders were saying, you know, we have to have time for this. This is because this is, these are the areas of concern for our kids and our communities. And we've got to create a safe environment so that these conversations can happen. This may not be the first thing we're going to talk about on the day one of school as we're going through processes right. and protocols, but if we're not taking an opportunity to open up appropriate safe conversations, depending on grade level and kids, then we're not, we're also missing out on an opportunity for students to learn. Right. And I don't want to get too wayward from our mission from this podcast, but I do want to throw this out there because I think all educators should be prepared for this. A lot of teachers spend a lot of time thinking this summer about, for example, a book that they might read to really address this issue. A colleague of mine had a parent who called furiously about a book that a teacher was reading with her class. This parent had been poised, waiting, waiting, waiting for the teacher to dare to read a book that didn't align with his thinking about race relations. So I say that just because I think principals need to still be aware of what they would always do if there was a book challenge or a conversation challenge. You go back to your board policy, you go back to your administrative guidelines. Those are written beautifully and and in a way that really will bring you back to the instruction, the standards, the intent of the lesson. So I say that as a PSA to all administrators, you know how to handle this. Don't let COVID get you in a place of panic if there is someone who's been poised and waiting to attack your school and how you approach race relation conversation. Mm, that's good, Jen. I know you have some other lessons that you've been yes. thinking through. So let's let's go there too. But thank you for, we didn't plan to go there, but I'm so we glad didn't. we did. Because, I know, and we can go there again later. That's It's an important can. conversation. Uh, you know, one of the lessons, I'm sure that you've heard this too in your work, is just communication has become more important than ever. And it's exhausting, but boy, it does solve a lot of problems on the back end. I feel like my job has, has shifted somewhat um, in these past few weeks where I just need to make sure 
that all parties, parents, teachers, community, students, they all know kind of what's going on and what our thinking is. I've always had the goal where I didn't want teachers to know something before I tell them. Uh, but now that's really expanded. I feel like I need everyone to know all the things that I know as soon as I know them. And that, when I say all the things I know, I'm talking about processes and protocols. I'm not right. talking about little nuanced details. But a complication is people want information in a whole new, in an increased amount of ways. So before there was, you know, the weekly email and maybe a few tweets here. And, and now you have the option of Zooms and meets and in, in person and um, websites and videos and all of those things. So I'm still trying to find my groove for the best way to communicate with all the people who need to know all the things. The lesson in that is still remains to be determined, but um, I'm learning and I'm, and I'm going to try to really evolve my communication practices to fit the world that, that we're now living in. Mm, and I would, yeah, let's circle back on that in a few months, because I think that's finding that groove in communication is such an essential role. I call that the hat of the cheerleader and, you know, it, the chief communicator. I put those together right. whenever I'm talking to school leaders, because sometimes we forget that that's one of the most important roles that we play is that person who's communicating effectively so that everyone knows as much information as you can. And I'm a huge proponent of duplicating information. So mm -hmm. I might put something together for a newsletter that I also put in a tweet that I also put on Facebook that I also share out some other way. But in this new format, um, I know sometimes teachers feel overwhelmed because they're getting so much information and sometimes kids feel overwhelmed because they're getting, now that they're connected digitally, they're getting so many different notices and emails. And so yeah, Jen, as you're walking through that journey, I'm really curious what, what, what groove you find, because it's going to be right. a different groove for, for different principles, depending on where they are. But the lesson is still there, which is, right. that, um, is that we need to keep putting ourselves back in the shoes of those we're serving and ask ourselves, you know, our, how would we want to be communicated with? I've told you this story before, but when I went from assistant principal to high school principal, um, my daughter started attending my school. And, um, and I'll never forget the first... I don't know, the week, it was probably the week before school started. My wife said to me, um, Will, now that I am a parent in your school, I do need to let you know that the website's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some things that I've been trying to find out about Emily's schedule and it, that could be on the website, but they're just not there. And I, suddenly I'm seeing my school from the perspective of my spouse, who's the parent of my child who's in my school. And I'm realizing just because I know it doesn't mean she knows it. Just because I know it doesn't mean my parents know it. Just because I know it doesn't mean my teachers and my kids know it. And so it's, it's humbling, but it's such a good lesson to, to kind of put yourself back in the shoes of the people that you're serving. It's so true. My husband and I have had that exact same conversation because my children went through my school and now they're going through his school. And so I'm finally getting my chance to jump up and say, this doesn't make sense. See, this doesn't make sense either. But you know, it reminds me of, of a time I knelt down to my son and I, you know, he was in trouble for something and I was explaining it. And I said, do you understand? And he said, just because you said it doesn't mean I understand it. I have mm. never forgotten that never forgot. Just because I say it doesn't mean it's clear to others. And when I edit my newsletters or my Facebook posts or whatever, I try to remember that. And, and I also try to be very careful not to go off into opinions or explanations that aren't necessary. As a principal, I think it's really important to say, okay, what are the facts? All that I'm responsible for is, is explaining the facts. And, and that really does help not only with conciseness, but it also helps to keep my communication exactly how it needs to be for those receiving it. Wow. 
Well, Jen, I, I want to also ask this question and feel free to unpack any other lessons along the way here too. But there, there are some people that are listening that are just now getting started. They're just now getting ready to, to launch and which is, is so interesting to me because I've talked to principals who've been in since the beginning of August and then some that are beginning mid-September or late September. So if you were speaking to that, that, that school leader who may just now be getting to the point where you've just been, what, what, would, what would be some thoughts that you would want them to have as they're stepping into this, to this launch? Well, I'm going to plagiarize from myself, if that's okay. I did a presentation not too long ago um, to a group of principals. And, and what I told them is the best, the best thing to do is wrap their mind around the fact that they can't control so much of this. I advise them to literally make a T-chart and put what you can control on one end and what you can't control on the other. Because so many times as administrators, we feel like our measure of success is that we have controlled things. Proactively, reactively, we're controlling things. There are a lot of things completely out of our control. And I think there can be a great deal of peace to say, well, that's not, that's not even something I could control. Why would I lose a wink of sleep over it? Um, and, and close to that is, is I want to talk a little bit about anger or frustration Anger can't be a driver in this job, nor frankly can frustration because both of those emotion, emotions just slow production, really. They, they just slow you up because you, have, you can't ignore anger or frustration. They're the kind of emotions that take over and, and trip you up. So if you can identify that bubbling up of anger and frustration, and if you can have the mental self-discipline to say, no, I'm not going to be angry about this boy, you can get back to work a lot faster. It helps mm -hmm. you stay focused on what you can do, what you can't do, and, and really go with the flow of ever-changing dynamics during this time. Wow. And, and Jen, I'm just going to put you on the spot for a second. Give us an example of that in your work. Well, I can, uh, because I doubt any official from the Centers for Disease Control are listening, I'll go ahead and say that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they came out, and this is just such an elementary world thing, but it's important, right? They came out and said, outdoor playground equipment does not need to be cleaned after use. The UV rays take care of it. No big deal. So I said to all my teachers, we can have brain breaks. You can go out in the playground. Let those kids run around and get all the energy. Well, then a um, Department of Health came out with regulations that said, oh, no, 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 no. No, playgrounds must be cleaned after each group. And then you find yourself swirling into the swamp of, well, what's a group? What is cleaning? What does that mean? And I got so frustrated. And I thought, all I want is for these little people to be able to step away from their, their hybrid learning and go run in before it snows and it's gray and miserable for five months, right? I want, all I want is kids to be outside. And there are so many layers of yes, no, maybe sort of. And then I thought, what good is it going to be for me to stomp around and be mad because these two government entities can't agree? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring, get out some spray bottles. And if the kids get on the monkey bars, we'll wipe them down. And we're going to enjoy this weather until the snow flies. And then I let Thank it go. You. So Thank it's you. like, you know, I, I imagine in my mind, literally opening my arms and letting the doves fly into the sky. Mm -hmm. Let go of it because it doesn't do anything except slow me down. Oh, I love that. And it doesn't do anything but raise your blood pressure. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't do anything but, but poison the people around it you. Does. It doesn't, it just does it. And I've told you this story so many times. And when I was in school leadership and I went through a season of just complaining and my wife yeah. one night patiently listening, stopped me and finally said, well, how, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. How productive is it to still be, to be so angry about what's going on at school? 
And that was an aha moment for me to just yeah. realize I'm not creating any productive solutions to this. And so, and I'm making everyone else around me miserable. Right, right. Um, and so, so, so I, I think about that so often whenever I get into those moments where I just want to just yeah. rant, you know? Well, and as a principal, people watch you and, and if they like you, they want to align with you. So if I'm angry, people be like, yeah, yeah, I'm mad too. And then everybody's mad. And again, then you've slowed down your entire train of production because everybody's mad. And that speaks to that culture of outrage thing. If I don't like right. the outrage being pointed at me, I shouldn't spew it out into the world either. Mm. What other other advice would you give? Well, this is another thing. It just made, it's a kind of a new thought, but I've, I try to not get hung up on what I perceive to be other people's incompetence. It it can get really frustrating. I'll think, Oh, why is this person not whatever? And that is so short-sighted because somebody might not be doing again, what I expect because they're busy doing other things that other people expect. So if something feels like incompetence and by other people, I mean, everyone from the people I live with to the UPS man, to the person who's supposed to be helping me log on to a new website. If I get hung up on their incompetence, then again, that just creates an, a, a, a system and an internal um, cesspool of anger and frustration that does nobody any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can I tell you a quick story? So Please, we, had the, we love stories. Yeah. So we, we, during COVID, we had some plumbing issues to uh, one of our um, outside faucets was out and we had had that thing repaired two or three times since we've lived in this home. And so, um, and we were both working at home. I was actually working on the porch. It was in the spring. And, and so the plumber shows up and I was so angry that I was having to pay a plumber to come again and work on this faucet that I thought had already been fixed before. And I just remember just being so rude, you know, to him about like, man, I can't believe this is the third time I've had to call someone out and blah, 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 blah. And then as he patiently walked away and started working on this problem that wasn't one he created, nor was it one that it helped for me to complain about. I, I just realized I'm doing him to him exactly what I hate people doing to me. Right. And so, so, so I, so I um, swallowed my pride and I just went back over to him and said, man, it is not your fault that this thing right. is screwed up. And I, I'm sorry that, <laughs> that I, that I vented on you. And he just smiled through his mask, you know, cause we were both wearing masks. He just smiled through his mask. He's like, no problem, man. I, I deal with this all the time. And I just said, I, I'm, I'm glad you're working on it. I'm glad we're going to find a solution, which we did, but you're right. We can either choose to poison situations uh, with outrage, or we can choose to realize that we don't always control what other people are trying to figure out too. And, Right now, people are showing levels of competence in some areas that some people don't. Um, right, right. Yeah. One other story, uh, I was talking to a principal two weeks ago who told me that when his teachers returned for PD, he said, well, the closest thing I can compare it to as a former coach is two-a-days. He said, mm-hmm. we were working so hard on so many projects and, and, and combining teams together to try to figure out how they could do technology and lessons. And he said, we ran through every every level of emotion I've ever seen a staff run through first, there was joy at being back together. And then there was the frustration of trying to do things we couldn't do. And then there were tears with people just so frustrated. And then there was anger. People just started not even liking each other. But then there was like this transition to like, we got to get past this and find a solution. He goes, and then we became a team. 
Mm-hmm. He goes, and, and he said, he said, I'm so glad we came there because that, that's where we had to get before kids came back. And that's a cycle. And I don't know, Jen, if you've seen some of those same emotional cycles in your team, but I think that's probably happening in a lot of places. Well, and I, I think of the cycles of grief too. If you look at those, I've seen that happen with individual teachers and also collectively with my staff. There was a lot of, you know, all the things, denial, grief, um, anger, and then, and I don't have them in order. And right now I think we are in a good place of acceptance. And, and that is, was always my goal. And and I think that that's the healthiest place to be in a situation where it's really not ideal for anyone, but I think a lot of us are there. And you know, I think I, I really want to say this because I think it's easy for educators to forget the best thing you can do for yourself is find something else to think about too. There's mm-hmm. got to be something else. How you handle this situation is not going to define your career. And how you, if you are spending 16, 17, 18 hours a day obsessing about this, if you're dreaming about it, you've got to step back and find something else. And this something else might be taking a knitting class or watching a, a pulp TV show or connecting with an aunt you haven't spoken to in six months, taking a class, whatever it is, this mm-hmm. cannot become the the world you live in because it isn't going to define who you are. Yeah. And a really good book that helps you think through that is one by Jen Schwanke. <laughs> <laughs> Called Reboot for Principles, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership. So if you're looking for literally lists and ideas of ways that you can be reconnecting emotionally so that you can still be serving professionally, then then check that out. Well, this, Jen, book, well, this book came out March 16th, which is the worst day a book could ever come out. <laughs> and I told my editor at one point, I said, I almost feel like it was a little bit too early, which is shocking because the publishing world is never does anything early. But if mm-hmm. I could have just put some COVID lessons in there, it would have been quite a bit more marketable. But you're right. The, the intent was still to get, give principals other things to think about. Well, by the time this podcast episode is released, Jen, it's very possible that my next book will be out too. It's uh, sp- it's scheduled for mid-September and it's called, it's called Pause, Breathe, Flourish, uh, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. And some of the same things you and I talk about all the time, just strategies, ideas, ways for educators to be investing in themselves and yes. in their own growth and in the and in the passions, the things that you love. It's a book that so many of the people I've shared it with have said that um, really applies not just for education, but for life. And and that's I know that your, your book does too. And I think that's why, um, I think that's why your style of leadership and mine um, resonate and why Principal Matters listeners tend to be the same kind of people. They're looking for an opportunity of to serve, but also to, to feel like they're being, uh, that they're living an authentic life um, outside of education so that they, when they come back into school, they have something to give. Well, well, as we, as we wrap up this week's episode, Jen, I wanted to give you a chance for some parting thoughts and any, any other words of wisdom you want to share with leaders and then remind them how they can stay connected with you. I, I think the, the parting message I would have at this point is just to have faith in the students that you're serving, because again, they're, they're handling this beautifully. And we, the reason this is so hard is because we are so dependent on, and that can be looked at two ways. One as an enormous responsibility, but also as an enormous opportunity. And 
if you lean your body toward the opportunity side of that equation, it feels a lot better than in, into the scary and dangerous side. So that's, that's just my parting thoughts. And thank you for the opportunity to just shout out about my website. If anybody um, out there needs some support or consulting work or whatever, I know they can find it with you, Will, Will but also check out jenschwonky.com. You'll find my blog there and also just some, some ways to connect. Yeah. So you need to check out Jen's new website, jenschwanky.com. I've been there and it is, it's just awesome. It's so, it reflects so much of Jen's energy and passion and her personality. And of course you can find free resources and all of these podcast episodes at williamdparker.com. Jen, thank you so much for the work that you're doing for students and schools and school leaders and, um, and for your friendship. And I hope that you guys continue to have a great reopening of your schools for your own kids and uh, your own family and, uh, and in your own community. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for the work that you're doing right now as you're reopening because it's, I know it looks different. Some of you may be with kids. Some of you may still have them at home. Some of you may be living in cities where numbers are really high. And some of you guys are in places where you haven't seen a lot of, of, of COVID exposure. Wherever you are in this we're in it together because we're all experiencing this pandemic in, in new ways. Some people are experiencing something one month that someone had experienced the month before, but, but we're in this together. And as you continue to lead, thanks again for doing what matters because what you do really matters. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone. We will talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.